don't wait until you're in the deep into the storm. You need to let people know that the, that the horizon's bleak and you're getting ready to go in a storm. Mm. You need to let them know, man, things are not going well so they can help you. You've got to um, be vulnerable enough to let people know your damaged goods. You have to accept that and you have to find peace with that. Life is too short. Forgive others. I had to learn that the hard way. The more peace you have, the more control you have. If you let them bother you that bad and you have a grudge and you hold on to it, they've won and you've lost control and you've lost your joy. Don't ever let anything in this world uh, take your joy in life. Hmm. Five by five rule. Don't give five minutes to anything that you're not going to worry about five years down the road. All my episodes up until this point have been solo. And I have waited until now, episode 10, to have my first guest. First Line is not an interview format, and I don't spend any time at all looking for guests. So you're probably wondering who my guest is and why I chose him to be the first guest. At this point in First Line's history, I am personally more interested in authentic relationships. Instead of chasing after high-profile guests, I wish I knew. I first started talking to Jay Corbett because he is a listener of First Line, and he shared with me his podcast, The Midlife Podcast, and I gave it a listen, especially since he had a doctor on the show as a guest, and I started listening to his podcast as well, and we thought it would be a good opportunity to collaborate and see where our passions overlap. Jay is also part of a different generation than mine, and that to me is a fantastic opportunity for learning. Hi, my name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and you're listening to First Line. I'm a student doctor in my third year of medical school, and I'm here to bridge the gap between sophisticated doctor talk and oversimplified patient education to bring listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness. Through an osteopathic lens, First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, hot topics in healthcare, the journey to becoming a physician, mental health, relationships, and even philosophy, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Today, I have my first guest with me, Mr. Jay Corbett, a First Line listener and a fellow podcast host. His podcast is called The Midlife Podcast Show, which you can find on Anchor and Spotify. I invited him today to talk about some sensitive topics and then about how he has overcome obstacles in his life and turned to help others with his podcast. Trigger warning, this episode contains content related to sexual abuse and physical abuse. Jay, it is such a pleasure to have you. I want to start out by having you introduce yourself and then giving us an overview of your story, taking as long as you'd like. First and foremost, um, thank you for uh, allowing me to be on your podcast. I'm Jay Corbett, I'm the host and creator of the Midlife Podcast Show. Um, I live in North Carolina. Uh, to start about me, I'm 45 years old. I work for county government, have been for the last 25 years. I'm an administrator, so I sit behind a desk, mostly eight to five. Married for 22 years. I have two teenage daughters, 13 and 17. And um, 
I'm a Christian male on my spare time. I'm, I'm a musician. So I play guitar and uh, sing. Uh, used to be a worship leader at my church. However, when COVID hit, that kind of uh, threw me out of that. And um, I'm a Liberty University graduate. I got my bachelor's of uh, arts in 2012. I went back to school the hard way when you're an adult and having children, but mm -hmm. um, I did it online and was able to get my degree, which was very important to me. I was the first person on my side of the family to get a uh, bachelor's degree. Oh, wow. So I wanted my children to know you don't have to go the atypical route to go to school. It's better to go that way, but you can always achieve your dreams mm -hmm. if you work hard enough. I have uh, lived a roller coaster life. Uh, I'm a normal next door neighbor kind of guy uh, outside looking in other than seeing, you know, I'm six foot three and 230 pounds. I lift weights. Uh, I do uh, used to be an ultra marathon runner mm. back in my slimmer days. So I'm kind of, uh, 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 a mixed bag of things. So I have a very mm -hmm. addictive personality. So I'll go power lift or bulk up one minute, one moment. And then the next thing, you know, I'm running 20 or 30 miles. So, um, and that stems, I believe self-diagnosed from things in my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was 10 years old, I was, uh, sexually abused by a family member and physically beaten as a child by this family member and uh, went through a real bad time from 10 to around, I want to say 13, which led me into a dark path of sexual addiction at an early age, pornography to a, a lot of different vices mm. that um, I used to be embarrassed about. I'm not now. Uh, because this is my story. Uh, I'm a failed and flawed individual, but through my relationship with Jesus Christ, this is his story. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my Lord and Savior yeah. for not forgetting me, mm -hmm. where I felt I was forgotten for a long time. So during that time, I hated God. I knew who he was, um, went to church, was baptized, actually the same time I was getting abused, I actually was baptized mm -hmm. in my church with the water Jordan. My aunt went mm -hmm. over there and was able to collect water. And I was actually baptized by the water mm -hmm. uh, in the river Jordan. And uh, you thought that that would be great, you know, mild mannered, never said anything, an ugly word. Um, and then through my abuse, it really changed me and put me in a dark place. Uh, which was rough. Um, the story goes on. Uh, a lot of things that you would think about a teenager back in the 80s and 90s of the drug scene, the rock scene to the uh, premarital sex, uh, living what I thought was my best life because I really didn't care about my life. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I met my wife when I was 18 years old who really put me on a path uh, in, a, in a walk with uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, but that's not the end of my story. 
my story is more about struggle and silence, being a big type A personality that I am. Uh, I still wore masks to cover up the pain I had inside. Hmm. Um, my youngest daughter was born in 2008. And she had three holes in her heart and had open heart surgery when she was three months old, had a hernia surgery after that, was diagnosed with serum sickness after that. Uh, we was at Chapel Hill for a long time for that. And the medical bills were over $500,000, wow. uh, which was rough. At the time, my wife was a computer programmer. She said, I'm done with my job. I want to stay home with my child. We already had my eldest who was four years old at the time. And I said, okay, so we'll try to make it work. Um, that was really hard on us and our marriage, financially speaking. So 12 years after my oldest daughter, when she was running track in high school, came to us and said her hip was hurting. She used to be previously a um, state champion in gymnastics and she got injured and uh, broke a bone. And then she called it quits. She said, I'm just, I'm all over the place. I'm getting injured. I'm, I'm stopping. Okay, so she's running track. We think track's safe enough. And she said, my hip's hurting. So we go to the doctor route, this time at Duke. And she has a torn labrum in her right hip and hip inversion. Mm. She, they said her left hip looked about the same, but it wasn't hurting her at the time. So we scheduled a hip surgery a week before Christmas. Um, and then the year later, a week before Christmas, something about Christmas in the Corbett household, she had her second hip surgery. During her mm -hmm. second hip surgery, she was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease. This was when COVID hit. So um, that in a nutshell is enough. Knowing my abuse would be enough. Then it was, okay, you had a child that uh, died twice on the table, open heart surgery. You would think that in itself was enough. Mm -hmm. And the statistics are so high for divorce rate, drug abuse, all sorts of things that go with one, one thing. Yeah. Then my oldest daughter. So we were financially robbing Peter to pay Paul uh, upside down and everything and taking mortgages out and maxing out everything uh, just to be able to survive. It was only by God's grace mm -hmm. that it was his story. It was due to the growth that I experienced from what I just told you that I am a man now that is unashamed of what happened to me. I would not take it back. I would relive it again to be able to help one single individual with the pain that they're feeling right now. Yeah. The feeling that they've been abused, lost, that God's forgot about them. If, um, they have a child that's sick and the medical bills are piling up. They have multiple kids that are sick and multiple bills are piling up. Uh, I want to let people know that I am here for whoever's listening um, to be able to help. So yeah. that's why I created my podcast. I was 45 years old and said, you know, I need to pay it forward. I've been blessed. You might not think it, but I have been blessed. Uh, I have a great career. I do very well financially. My wife was able to go back to work and uh, that really helped us out. And we're doing fine. You know, we're not, it gets tight at times, but we're making it. 
Yeah, thank you so much for that. That's a really good overview of just what you've gone through and how you've been able to overcome and now have a podcast and try to help other people through all these obstacles you have turned to God in those times and I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about like what that looks like what does that look like for you and how has that affected your life okay here's my um my salvation story I was baptized but I wasn't saved uh at the time I was uh, driving my 75 Nova when I was 18, as fast as it would go on a country road. I was drunk as a skunk, as they would call it, and uh, jamming out and, you know, just hoping something would run out in front of me. I had no fear because I had no self-worth. This is important for me to share this before I answer that question. I got home and I noticed that the wheel bearings uh, on one of my front wheels were out and you could touch the wheel and it was floating Hmm. when I pulled up and I was completely inebriated. It was raining and I've told people the story and I I have to, I feel like I have to apologize because it's kind of like a movie, what you would see in a movie. Yeah, but I got on my hands and knees in the yard and I looked up and I said, I have hated you for so long, God, that I need you in my life. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done hating you. I've, but I cannot do this alone. I I need you in my life. This was the first start. I didn't know if he was going to hear me or not because I had turned my back on God. He never turned Mm -hmm. his back on me. Yeah. I had surely taken was mad and angry. So I opened myself back up uh, to God. And it wasn't until I met my wife, she was going to Elon University. She had her stuff together. She looked at me and said, you got to get it together. Because you're working two lousy jobs. You need to go to school. And, um, and and you need to start going to church. So she got me to go to a local community college to get my associate's degree. And then she took me to her church, which is Friendship United Methodist in Burlington, North Carolina. There I started hearing the word, the power from the Holy Spirit when I accepted uh, Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior that went through me. It, It was just undescribable. And I felt a peace over me. And then the struggles came. It's not rainbows and sunshine. So I had, I, I immersed myself into Sunday school, into the Bible, into any books that I could get my hands on and prayer. It wasn't until I had my f- mental breakdown to where I suffered post-traumatic stress from being abused by this individual to where I had to be put on medicine because I had a severe breakdown to where the medicine helped, but it did not heal the hole that was in my heart. Right. It wasn't until I did something that I did not want to do, but God told me I needed to do. 
into the sinews. And that was, I needed to forgive this individual. Hmm. Had no relationship with this individual, kind of, because I'll go ahead and say, it's my older brother that, that did all this stuff. And I've never said that live before. This is the first time it was my older brother. And I'm not saying this as I'm trying to get back to him or some kind of uh, vengeful spite. He's a narcissist. He's a first world problem guy. And he's whatever religion attaches to to get him to the lotto. He's that guy. He is the fall into the pot of gold kind of luck or whatnot Mm -hmm. and has not a care for the world. And, uh, has still not recognized or apologized or anything. And I fought that and fought that and hated that man so much. It wasn't until I got into a small space in my house and on hands and knees that God spoke to me and says, you must forgive him. And when I truly forgave him, because how was Christ going to forgive me for all my sins? If I truly repent of my sins, how, how is he going to do that? If I still hold hate in my heart mm-hmm. for a literal brother or, or a brother, or sister in the world. So I forgave my brother. And the funny thing is we had a phone conversation because my dad had passed away. And I told him, I said, Hey, just to let you know, I forgave you. Mm-hmm. You probably will never say you're sorry. Um, he was on a bunch of drugs and a bunch of stuff back in the day. Maybe it was the drugs. Maybe it was just pure meanness. I don't know. I was 10 years old, 10 to 13, but I forgave him. And the peace that I felt after forgiving him, I've not been angry with that gentleman since then. Wow. So to answer your question, prayer, people, prayer works, but you have to be persistent with your Mm -hmm. prayer life. Yeah. When you feel like that God's not around you, it's because you're not around God. Right. It's because you're running away from the cross when the cross is our focal point. Our compass should be that true north, which is the cross that Jesus died on. And I had to learn that even that my flesh wanted to flee my body and go the opposite way of the cross that I needed to get as close to the bleeding side mm-hmm. so I could get my sins washed. Yeah. And that's what I tried to tell people today. A lot of people don't want to hear about religion. I said, well, I'm not religious. I'm a Christian. I believe that's totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christianity is man seeking God where religion is uh, man seeking God is religion where God is seeking man is Christianity. You have a you have an actual relationship with Jesus Christ. So it wasn't until I ran to the cross. To, and that's what I continue to have to do. When I feel that my compass is shifting away, I have mm-hmm. to redirect myself and have to hit my knees and pray. Yeah. Because da- it is a daily battle. There's a lot of scars that are still, God has healed me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he has it. But it's not that I have, I can forgive, but I have, and I don't have to like that individual, but I still remember, and it's Satan, Satan trying to get trick me to remember my old self 
and not to be a victor in Christ, to be a victim of this world. Hmm. And it's a choice. I, I chose to follow Jesus Christ. So yes, I, I make it a point to pray. Uh, my family uh, reads scripture every night before bedtime. We say the Lord's prayer and then my daughters pray. And then that's how we end the night. And then when hmm. I go to bed, I say some prayers. And then when I wake up, I thank God for me to wake up and get my old bones moving. And then I go throughout my day, but I don't pray just, I pray all the time in my car, yeah. at work, wherever I'm always talking to God. Usually it's, oh man, I can't believe I just said that, or I did this, but I'm always having a conversation with God. Right. I never told anybody. I didn't tell my parents about what happened to me until I was 21. They didn't believe me. Oh. I mean, you know, in the seventies and eighties, you wouldn't talk about that. Yeah, and I lived right. on, I lived on a big tobacco farm, right? You, you think I was going to tell like my uncles and my cousins that I was abused by my brother, you know? Yeah. No, you're, you're not going to say that, that and the, the physical abuse was so bad during that time. Uh, I was scared to say anything. I mean, I'm talking mm -hmm. about uh, Russian roulette shotgun to my head to make me eat dog food, um, machetes to my neck and threaten me, uh, ramming me in the side of the house to where I'm almost unconscious. Hmm. A lot of physical abuse with yeah. that. Uh, so when I said I forgave him, I really forgave him. It was a lot of stuff. I mean, a yeah. lot of baggage, right? So, I mean, my dad pulled a gun out on me when my oldest daughter was a year old. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it was, it was not the leave it to beaver type family. Yeah. And, um, but what did I do? I honored my mother and father and I took my dad and took off of work where my brother could and he wouldn't. And I would burn my sick time and take my dad to the Durham VA about every other weekend and stay up there. So I have been through the meal. I know what it feels like to is I don't want I could use your empathy I don't want sympathy because hmm. this is Jesus Christ's story this is not Jay Corbett's story but I am a tool for you know I am a tool in his toolbox so right. um so it was hard I mean I got in a knockdown drag out with my mom and dad in the ICU when my daughter was hanging on the life before she had her surgery, because uh, we got an argument because my brother wouldn't come and, and see us. Hmm. So it was entangled of really dr dramatic stuff. Um, but her family was very supportive. What I lost, what I've always wanted was a brother. We're seven years apart. I got with my brother-in-law. See, God will give you, and I want you to listen, audience. God will give you what you want if you ask. Mm. If you knock on that door, he's always listening. It's just our, it's, we want it now when his time is perfect. So what I didn't get with my brother, I got with my brother-in-law. He's my brother. Mm. And I got a sister, my wife's sister. She's great. And they were very supportive. Uh, 
I had some friends at work, uh, very supportive. Um, there was no, uh, what is it called? GoFundMe when my youngest daughter was born. So there was no fundraisers that it was no anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was a little jaded at church too, because our pastor didn't even come and see us. Mm. Uh, and Methodist, they rotate, they move around the pastors right. do not yeah. like at a Baptist church or whatnot. I'm a Christian. My, my uh, belief system. Yeah. I go to Methodist church, but I went, I graduated from a Baptist college, you know, I'm yeah. just saying it's not denominational. I'm, I mm -hmm. don't care about the denomination. I care about the center focal message of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. right? So, um, so there was a lot of things going on and, um, there was a lot of growth. I can tell you now at the time, I didn't think it was any growth. I thought I was getting picked on again by God almighty or that he had stopped listening to me. He got, he caught, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm a human being. So my flesh was like, yeah, you, I guess he's tired of hearing you whine and complain about all your woes when there's people worse off than what you got it. So he shut me out for a while. Right. Uh, but my wife was supportive. My, my, uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law was supportive and uh, my in-laws were very supportive. It was tough. Uh, we had to be in a clean environment after my daughter come home. Uh, then my wife said, Hey, we, I'm not working no more. My baby, I, she just had our daughter. And was like, no, I'm, I'm done. And with my oldest at four, then when my oldest had her hip surgeries, you know, I, we've got friends and, uh, still got my in-laws and, and that side, um, my mom's in a rest home, so she cares and she calls us every night, but uh, she couldn't physically do anything. But that was about it. Uh, really leaning on my wife and mm -hmm. Jesus Christ yeah, to pull me through it and through the power of prayer. Uh, a lot of medical bills, uh, my website, I do some blogging, which is nothing special because I, I'm not a writer, but I have a thing in there where I interviewed Dr. Yoho, who talks, he's got a book that's uh, written about butchered by healthcare. So I put that out there and then I went back just this week and added my personal story about what we mm -hmm. had to go through because there was a lot of fighting the insurance company and the hospitals for both accounts. Yeah. And it just wore us completely out mentally, physically, financially. So, um, you know, I added, I added that in there. So it, it was a lot of, uh, leaning on, on Jesus with that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm in medical school. I'm in my third year. A lot of my listeners are also medical students. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about a positive experience you had with a doctor or any health professional. Also, if you could talk about a negative experience as well that we could learn from. That is an awesome question. I'm glad you said that because I've been pining for years to talk about this one doctor from Chapel Hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, congratulations. That is a very hard track to do. Yeah. And I applaud you from doing it. I mean, that is awesome. So good on you. Thank you. 
I want to tell you, our, uh, my daughter's cardiologist was awesome. He, he, I was at work. We took our youngest daughter to go get an MRI. And it was through our primary care physician that they heard what a heart murmur. And they said, ah, it's probably nothing, but we're going to send you to a specialist. Uh, it's, he's in Greensboro, but he's, fr- he's a Chapel Hill cardiologist. Mm-hmm. He was great. And um, when we were looking at the MRI and we saw the blue and red mixing, I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. a doctor, but I saw that and the, the uh, radiologist or whatever, whoever it is that takes the MRI stopped talking. Mm. and we're like hey what's that mixing colors mixing like finger paint he's like i can't talk right now uh okay i have to let the doctor talk to you and i knew right then and there my spider senses started tingling i said oh crap something's wrong we got in there and you know this is some discovery channel stuff right this does not happen to you you look at it and go, God, these, right. you're eating your Doritos and drinking your soda going, I hate it for these people, <laughs> these poor people. I will pray for you. And you don't pray for them, you know, and you eat more chips and go out much your day. But he came in and I lost it. 6'3", 230, pretty muscular guy. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm a big unit. And I lost it out of it completely my wife was the strong one Mm. my my wife is five foot one she was like picking me up and uh and he really took time with us to tell us you know the course Mm -hmm. of action and everything and i'm an administrator been a manager supervisor now i'm you know um pretty big administrator for the county government that i'm in and uh so i understand that right so you have to effectively communicate these things to individuals especially if it's dealing with medical issues and uh, i could only imagine what he has to go through or what y'all or you're going to have to go through he's a great guy he was real you know calming right so that was that was a good one he, he was a, a very good doctor and i don't i'm, I'm going to say his name because he he impacted us so much his name's dr stewart i don't think he is there anymore i don't know where he landed uh, i know he moved dr stewart he was great uh surgeon in pediatrics at chapel hill um my oldest daughter's hip surgeon he was great he was a um he was a uh, orthopedic surgeon for the philadelphia eagle football team wow he's big time yeah and um I felt very confident and he was only two juvenile um, hip surgeons in mm-hmm. the country. Wow. There's, there's two of them. He's one of them. So he specialized. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's talking about. And he's the one that actually caught the sliver on the second MRI from the second hip surgery caught that my oldest daughter had a rare autoimmune. He said, Hey man, that's in the spine. It looks like it's inflammation. Uh, you need to go see a specialist for that. Mm-hmm. So let me go ahead and schedule this. He was pre-planning. He's like, look, man, we, you got to get on top of that because that yeah. doesn't look, that doesn't look good. He was, he was great. He was great. The one that was not so great. He was one of the 
from what I gather, uh, one of the top five pediatric cardiologists in the world. Hmm. And he was the biggest a-hole I'd have ever met in my life. So if you're listening, you're, you're a doctor, nurse, PA, uh, you're going that track because you're good at what you do doesn't mean that you have people skills. It doesn't right. mean that, that you're going to have empathy. He was horrible, horrible. Um, I'm pretty through what I've been through. I have learned to have some patience. I've learned to suffer in my life. But this guy was such a butthole that I didn't say it was smart, but I went up to him to the elevator and I told him what an a-hole he was. Mm. He was ugly. He was very short and snarky and rolled his eyes. And uh, this was at the time where my daughter, she needed the heart surgery. Her lungs yeah. were filling up with fluid. And he was like, no, it's something else. So he was running this barrage of tests. No, it's this, it's that. So let's do an endoscopy. Let's do this. Let's do that. I'm like, and the surgeon now is like, no, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. She needs this heart surgery. I know. Well, since he thought so highly of himself and he was the, the, the head or the floor doctor for that weekend. Uh, he wouldn't come off of it. And he wouldn't recommend surgery. Mm. So uh, I, I let him have it. I just told him, hey, professional, professional, you suck. You might be really good at what you do, but we could have really used a little bit of empathy, yeah. just a little bit. Uh, and I said, and, and I'm not going to talk to you, and I'm going to recommend you never see my daughter ever mm. again. Uh, after that, I guess he went home. The surgeon come back up. He said, he's gone. We're going to schedule, we're going to schedule the surgery for tomorrow. Awesome. <laughs> right. So, uh, and I think they wouldn't say, cause they're professionals, right? They're yeah. not going to talk about their colleagues, but I right. think they were like, hint, hint, wink, wink, that guy's gone. So we're going to really do what we need to do. Well, when that guy left, they did x-rays and my daughter's little lungs were full of fluid. He's like, we got to do it now. Mm-hmm. So, I've had good doctors. We've had bad doctors. What I can say, empathy, and I'll tell my people this in the government world, empathize with your employees, with your peers, no matter if their cat died to their mom died. Mm -hmm. If it's important to them, it's important to you. And you really need to be a servant leader. You need to have service in your brain when you're talking to people. Yeah, people suck for the most times, right? In in your profession, you're going to hear a lot of ugliness and and uh, you're going to get a lot of shade thrown your way. I will say, if this is what you really want to do to serve, then you're going to have to eat that every single day. You're going to have to. Now, you're going to have to find ways to cope with that when you're off the clock. Right. Uh, but when you're in that position and you're going to have your bad days and you might bite back or be snarky and that's okay. Cause we're human beings, please have empathy for people. You don't have to sympathize. You don't have to give them a million dollars, you know? Oh my God, let me give you my credit card because this is such a sad situation. I'm going to tell you how, how it could get worse. 
when our child come out of ICU, out of her heart surgery, it was like an eight-hour surgery. She looked like Darth Vader when she come out with the hoses and everything attached to her. It was scary. There was a child two doors down that was from Eastern Carolina. Excuse me. For people that don't know, Eastern North Carolina is a more rural part of the state. Bacterial meningitis. They had to decide what limbs to take from that child. Hmm. They ended up having to take part of his nose, one arm and one leg. Wow. And I was praising God that my child survived open heart surgery. And they're like, what? She had open heart surgery? Yeah. And then she had a hernia because of the chest tube and that had to be repaired. And then the serum sickness, I said, dude, I would take that any day. She survived. One, she was a baby. She don't remember it. Mm -hmm. She's got the scar still now at 13. This child had to have limbs taken off. Mm -hmm. How devastating. And financially speaking, even though it was horrible for us, we were way better, way better off than this couple. Yeah. And uh, I felt, I felt embarrassed. I really did. I felt embarrassed that we were relieved that our child made it. Now that child didn't die, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of emotions then. Right. Kind of went off subject, but empathy, show empathy. And if you're not a doctor and you're listening, abused or not, baggage or not, empathize with people. Yeah. Have, have some, you know, you don't have to agree with people's um, relationships, their music taste, their uh, whatever religion they're in. We're human beings. We should treat people the way we want to be treated, that golden rule. Um, I was listening, and you're talking about going to church. I'm scatterbrained. I'm sorry. (laughs) We do go to church, but because of COVID and because of my oldest with the autoimmune, uh, we do it online. Right. So, um, and they were, we were talking, they were discussing um, about when Jesus said the two greatest commandments is love thy God and then love thy neighbor. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that love the neighbor. I can do the love of God part. (laughs) Can't you? Everything that I've done said, you can see that I still have a heart for Jesus. That second one though, love thy neighbor, especially my neighbor, literally in the back. Woo. That's hard, but you know who our neighbor is? Our neighbor is your right-wing conservative with the Trump flag. Our neighbor is the left-wing Biden with the pronouns or the gender mm-hmm. fluid, is the gay, straight, bi, uh, the robber, the rapist. I mean, it is what it is. God wants us to love our neighbors, and we need right. to show that love genuinely. And that's hard to do. It's easy to say. But I, that's something that I am trying to practice more mm-hmm. at my age is to genuinely accept people for who they are, pray for them, and do not conform right. to them. I'm not saying that. Don't conform to somebody else's view just to please them. Just appreciate that they're human beings and they're, fl- they're flawed individuals like yourself and love on them by sharing the gospel if you don't want to beat them over the head with a bible tell them your story i do that a lot i'll tell them my story and then if they gravitate toward it okay 
I have a really good friend that is a, he says he's an atheist. He's agnostic. Mm -hmm. And I keep, I keep working on him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jay, you're not going to change me, man. I believe that there's a higher power, but I just don't believe in this Jesus. And, uh, you know, that's a little Disney for me, you know, George Lucas made up Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling him, I'm like an egg, man. It's like an egg, right? You got the shell, the white, and then the, <laughs> the uh, center of it, the yolk or the water analogy, right? The liquid vapor or solid. Yeah that you can say for the Trinity and the Trinity is hard to explain to some people. And that's right. where they get the, the hitch and their mm-hmm. proverbial get up. So uh, just love on these people. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. I'm glad that you shared that just how all of us can be empathetic to each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom being selfish myself. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. I just have a few more questions because I don't want to yeah, take go ahead. too much. Go ahead. Um, so I was, wondering if you could speak a little bit more about your podcast and what your goal is for that and what your target audience is. My first biggest demographic is people my age, I think like 23 to 27, but my second largest demographic, surprisingly, is 45 to 59 year olds. So that's perfect for you. (laughs) Well, first of all, I would like to answer the reason I do the podcast is because I want to be filthy rich. (laughs) (laughs) Um. If I can make a couple of dollars to pay a light bill, that would be cool. But no, uh, I'm at a point in my career where I'm 45. I work for local government and I have been afforded that uh, 30 year retirement. So I'm five years away from retirement with 30 years. Mm -hmm. So it's that midlife crisis of, oh my gosh, I'm 45. My oldest is this year, I'll have one going to college and one going into high school. Mm. Like, what am I going to do? Because I'll, you know, I'll be 50 years old. I'm still young. Uh, And I prayed about it and thought about different things. And uh, if nobody can see this uh, great looking man that's speaking to you, I'm bald too. So the hair that I had back in the 80s and 90s, the long hair metal hair, (laughs) yeah, that's gone and went. And uh, so the rock guitarist is out of the way. Um, but I, ha- I, I always have a desire to help people. Mm-hmm. It's in my heart. I love talking about Jesus. I really do. Christians, atheists, whoever wants to come and listen to my podcast. It's called the Midlife Podcast Show. It's on Anchor, Spotify, Google, on a bunch of other platforms. My website is www.mid-life-mail.com. Females are welcome. I had to have the mail to get the site. Don't be alarmed. (laughs) Um, And it's got all my shows listed in there with quick links that you can link to it as well. Uh, It is designed for the middle age crowd, 40s to 60s or whatever, that that demographic for um, trying to improve people's life. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can share my personal stories to improve somebody's life, get guests on my podcast show to show them that uh, because you're older doesn't mean your life is done, that you mm-hmm. still have more to give. Uh, I've already interviewed great people. Uh, I, um, Vernon Brown, who's a success coach uh, from Alabama and was a model for Dick's Sporting Good. Hmm. He was in a he was in a music video for uh Nicki Minaj I don't wow. listen to her music but I thought that was kind of cool 
you yeah. young people probably know who she is. <laughs> and uh, I used to do ultra running and marathons and stuff in my 20s and early 30s. <clears throat> and um, I got to interview my running icon, Charlie Engel. He lives in Chapel Hill. He isn't, he's a recovering uh, a drug addict who does these runs. He's run across the Sahara. Matt Damon did a documentary, HBO documentary about him. And they started together uh, a, a project for, uh, for fresh water, for clean water in Africa. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy is a top tier running guy that a lot of people know. Well, in that podcast, me and him talking about our running stuff. And we talk about our addictions and mm -hmm. uh, how we battle that and all. So those are the type of guests that I'm doing. I did Dr. Yoho. So I got him on with the medical side of different things. And I was able to share how I felt uh, as a regular Joe that got treated by our healthcare, healthcare system. Um, I interviewed Ibrahim Dar, who's a um, public speaker uh, from Pakistan. He's a liberal Muslim. I'm a conservative Christian. And guess what? We had a great conversation. That was the latest one I listened yes. to. And I loved that you guys were able to like have a civil conversation. Like you don't see that a lot of times. So I really enjoyed that. Episode. You know, and he's, he's this Pakistani guy and it's, it, this book is called, uh, charm like a narcissist, right? He's mm -hmm. this handsome Pakistani guy. And you got this old big ugly guy from North Carolina I'm like howdy guys no I'm just saying <laughs> and it's cool I'm like I told my daughters I said how cool is that you know it was yeah. morning time here and it was evening time there that is awesome so mm -hmm. I'm trying to make more connections and I'm trying to connect on a deeper level like to have these type of conversations you and I are talking right 25 yeah. year old med student 45 year old has been that has a has been through a lot but um that can share stories. Mm -hmm. So the age range is, is middle age, but really my podcast is for anybody. Now I do some motivational stuff. There's some cursing in it, like to get off your blankety blank, butt and lip, <laughs> you know, get motivated. There's some cursing in there. I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm not perfect, but everything I do is to inspire, motivate and educate, mm -hmm. right? We have lost the art of communication in America or in the world. I'm trying to bring that back. It's new, you know, uh, other than editing the beginning and the end, everything in between, I let it fly because I'm a real person. I think people are tired of the, I'm not trying to pick if you love some Kardashians, but trying to the fake implanting Kardashians that my, my wife loves to watch. I don't know why, but anyway, so I'm, I'm a real guy and trying to give real information to people. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because how selfish would it be that I've had these Job-like stories and I hit them in a right. box somewhere that mm -hmm. people need to listen to it and go, I, I've went through a sliver of what he's been through. Then, man, I know I can do it. Because, guys, I'm going to tell you, I went back, went to college, worked two jobs, got my associate's degree, worked the current job I'm in, spent a lot of weeks, weekends, vacations with a laptop to finish my degree. Uh, did well in promotional tests to get to where I'm at now, making really good money. Uh, this is how the Lord blesses you, right? Medical bills left and right. Yeah, we still owe Duke thousands of dollars. No, I did not get on any kind of whatever to beg for money. 
because God is great. We tithe. Mm -hmm. That's a big part. Yeah. Even through the financial issues I just told you. What's twenty wow. percent of what's twenty percent of five hundred thousand med student? Um, one hundred thousand. <laughs> That's what we owed from my daughter's heart surgery. How many yeah. people do you have? One hundred thousand dollars right now accessible. No. Uh, that was one thing. And then we're owing thousands of dollars a due, right? So that's where the payment plan comes in mm -hmm. and then living the American dream. Uh, this is how God works. So my wife said, I think I want to go back to work. I'm like, thank you, Lord <laughs> Jesus, for inspiring her to say that. And uh, she got a job back at Elon University. Mm -hmm. That was five years ago. Guess what happens when you get five years in at a university? My kids can go for free. My oldest daughter is uh, probably going to go to Elon mm -hmm. and uh, other than we pay for the books and if she yeah. wants to stay on campus, that's how great yeah. God is. Right. Right. So that's a blessing. And I need to speak that out loud. So yeah. God had, but God already had that planned even before I was abused. Right. People, do y'all hear that? God already had that plan. There are blessings down the road. It's just not in your timeline. We, we have no grasp of infinity. We're, this is a minute time that we live on this planet. So God is, will he hears you and he's going to bless you if you ask for it. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you follow him. So having said that, here's my God story. I'm training for a marathon. I'm running. Uh, we live near a park and I'm running on trails and I hear God say, feed my people. And I keep running. I'm listening to my music and I hear feed my people i'm like i don't know what you talk about man i ain't got time for this so <laughs> the next time i get on them trails i'm about in the same spot he says hey feed my people feed my people what are you talking about so i'm doing my thing and i'm thinking i'm like hmm what can i do he's i keep hearing this feed my people what well, the church that we go to uh, didn't have a food pantry i don't know anything about it uh, my mom at the time, uh, her church, they had a food pantry and it was a big food pantry. So I started asking her questions and stuff like that, uh, kind of the outline of it. And God used me to start a food pantry wow. in our church that is still running today. I gave it up like after two years because it was just so much. It had mm -hmm. gotten so big and we're, we live in a small community, but it feeds I want to say two to 300 people a month. Wow. That's how great God is. Yeah. Me running on a trail and he's telling me to feed people. And I'm going, feed people? I mean, what are you talking about? I don't have that capability. I don't have that knowledge, right? That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be a rock guitarist. <laughs> That's the prayer that I've been telling you, or, you know, or I want to win the lotto. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's how God works. Yeah. The podcast, I know nothing about other than speak. As you can tell, I'm a soapboxer and I love to talk. <laughs> Please talk to me. Other than that, I don't know. I'm old. I'm pre-internet. When I went to college, I was pre-internet at the mm -hmm. community college. They wow. just created the internet. That's, that's how old I am. We had my first cell phone was a bag phone and it was like $5 a minute. So I would drive down the road and hold my phone up like I was talking just to be cool. 
I'm just saying to go to it, you had to use pay phones and pay booths, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so a uh, phone booth. So I know nothing about technology, but I'm sitting here looking at you and we're talking and I got this real cool new podcasting mic. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know anything of it. I created with no help, just looking at you, Google and looking mm -hmm. at YouTube videos, created that website. Yeah. I'm proud of it, but God I'm telling you, if God wants you to do something, he will equip you. If he called you to be a doctor, right? He will give you what you need to become, not just a doctor, but one of the best doctors. Right. You got to have faith. Do you want to just share any final thoughts that you have or any advice you have for my listeners that might be going through something difficult? Maybe they have medical bills too, anything like that? Yeah. Um, one, don't ever give up on your bleakest day, always look up. When you hit rock bottom, the only thing you can do and you should do is look up because that's where God lives. If you don't know Jesus Christ, get to know him. He loves you. He has always been here. You have to, you have to choose. He loves us so much. He's not a dictator where he forces you. He gives you the opportunity to choose. And when you do, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be even tougher. It's going to be harder. Trust me. But it'd be the best thing. I have been through the mill and back. I wouldn't take it for anything. His salvation paid the ultimate price. If you ever think about saying, look, I want what I deserve. Well, what you deserve, the penalty for sin is death. That's the wages of sin. That's what we should get is death. But through Christ's sacrifice, his atonement of sins, and he is that gateway. He is what God looks through Jesus and looks at us and we're clean. So don't ever give up and don't feel unworthy because you're going to screw up. You're not perfect. You're going to sin. I'm watching that uh, that show, The Chosen. Have you saw that? I yet? haven't seen it yet, but I've have heard you of heard it. about it? Yeah. You need to watch it. I'm watching it, and it's where Mary Magdalene. I'm spoiler alert. Mary Magdalene is already blessed by Jesus, and then she falls off from grace, and then comes back, and she feels guilt, and he's like, "I love you. You, I've forgiven you. So stop." Mm. Satan's telling you that you're still a dirty, filthy rag. God's like, I forgave you, so just go on. And he, he tells her, do you think that you're not going to sin? Right? So be easy. Let, let up a little bit on yourself. Have somebody you can go to, an accountability partner, family member, whoever, your best friend, and lay it out to them. Don't wait until you're in the deep into the storm. You need to let people know that the, that the horizon's bleak and you're getting ready to go in a storm. Mm. You need to let them know, man, things are not going well so they can help you. You've got to um, be vulnerable enough to let people know your damaged goods. You have to accept that and you have to find peace with that. Life is too short. Forgive others. They might throw rotten eggs at you. Forgive them anyway. I had to learn that the hard way. Don't be stubborn like me. Learn the more peace you have, the more control you have. You give them 
if if you let them bother you that bad and you have a grudge and you hold on to it, they've won and you've lost control and you've lost your joy. Don't ever let anything in this world uh, uh, take your joy in life. Hmm. Five by five rule. Don't give five minutes to anything that you're not going to worry about five years down the road. Hmm. Financially. There's something called self-pay. I did not know this until uh, my oldest daughter, when we were fighting with the medical bills, say you have something that's, I don't know, two or $3,000 and your insurance company will not pay for it. There was some stuff that the laser treatments that my oldest daughter needed to do with uh, after her hip surgery. Uh, it was $900 per laser treatment. She needed like five. Mm-hmm. The insurance company won't going to pay it. I had somebody at Duke say, talk to him about self-pay. I talked to the doctor about self-pay. He said, oh, yeah, sure. How about $150? Say, what? You can talk to the doctor, and then you don't have to pay a copay. Hmm. Self-pay. So you you don't even have to pay copay. You pay right out of your pocket, and they'll work with you with that. Hmm. So if you've got these medical bills piling up on you, talk to them about self-pay and a payment option. They'll do payment plans. Trust me, they want their money. They'll take it a little bit at a time. Another thing, you have to be an advocate, a strong advocate for you and your family. Nobody, if you don't say anything, then you're going to have to pay these astronomical bills. You have to fight. You have to call. The squeaky wheel will get the grease. You have to call 24-7 the insurance companies, the hospitals, the doctor's office. Be the advocate for your family they're only going to go so far mm. um i just hope that look i don't want anything i'd like for you to come and visit my channel and to listen these are the things that i talk about and try to bring value to your life but my main thing is think of one person that you can help out today or that you can help out tomorrow say a, pick out somebody here's a tough one that you don't like Say a kind word to them. Make it a point to go up and say a kind word to them. Pay it forward. If you don't pay it forward, what's our generation going to look like? The road to success is paved with many failures. Your job is to smooth the path so others can ride and have a nice ride to work. Hmm. Your ride might be rough, but you're supposed to be smoothing that out it's lonely at the top make sure you reach down and pick others up yeah and that's it um jay corbett www.mid-life-mail.com it's the midlife podcast show anchor spotify thank you for having me on your show you so much for listening again i'm on instagram at first line podcast also on facebook facebook.com slash first line podcast you can reach out for any questions comments suggestions feedback i'd love to hear from you thanks again